Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. Hepzibah Anderson writes, It's campaign season in the U.S., and a charismatic dark horse is running with the slogan, Make America Great Again. According to his opponent, he's a demagogue, a rabble-rouser, a hypocrite. He accuses without grounds whole groups of people of being rapists and drug dealers. How much of this he actually believes and how much he spouts just because he knows the value of dividing in order to conquer and rule, is at once debatable and increasingly beside the point. Now you all sitting here may think, wow, that sounds so familiar. Surely she is not preaching politics from the pulpit. (laughs) The character in question is Octavia Butler's Texas senator, Andrew Steele Jarrett the fictional presidential candidate who storms to victory in this 1998 science fiction novel. The book is The Parable of the Talents, and again, I advise you to read it. Butler writes that Jared insists on being a throwback to some earlier simple time. Now does not suit him. Religious tolerance does not suit him. The current state of the country does not suit him. He wants to take us all back to some magical time when everyone believed in the same God, worshipped in the same way, and understood that their safety in the universe depended on completing the same religious rituals and stomping anyone who was different. There was never such a time in this country. But these days when more than half the people in the country can't read at all, history is just one more vast unknown to them, Butler says. Jarrett supporters have been known now and then to form mobs and burn people at the stake for being witches. Witches in 2032. Jarrett's people have been known to beat or drive out Unitarians, for goodness sake. Jarrett condemns the burnings, but does so in such mild language that his people are free to hear what they want to hear. And as for the beatings, the tarrings and featherings, the destruction of heathen houses of devil worship, he has a simple answer. Join us. Help us make America great again. This novel is set in 2032. In The New Yorker, Abby Aguirre writes, Parable of the Talents begins in 2032, and by then, various forms of indentured servitude and slavery are common. The oppression of women has become extreme. People are addicted, not only to designer drugs, but also to dream masks, which generate virtual fantasies as guided dreams. When I read that, I took off my VR helmet and put it away. (laughs) News comes in the form of discs or news bullets, which purport to tell us all we need to know in flashy pictures and quick, witty, verbal one-two punches. 
25 or 30 words are supposed to be enough in a news bullet to explain either a war or an unusual set of Christmas lights. <laughs> Octavia Butler was a prophet. Now, not the kind who wears long robes and sandals and speaks about some kind of divine being. She didn't believe in that kind of divine being. What she believed in was science. She believed in asking what if and following that question wherever it led her. She believed in the human ability to make change. And she wrote not to discourage the heart, but to call out the best in our ability to cause better outcomes. She believed in cautionary tales and in rational hope. Octavia Butler believed that we could grow up as a species, but we had to work at it because no one was going to hand it to us. Now that sounds very Unitarian Universalist to me. According to Christian Coleman, in her work, you won't find the militant brand of atheism endorsed by those like Richard Dawkins and the late Christopher Hitchens or Sam Harris. Butler's atheism was never a rabid middle finger flipped at organized religion. She critiqued fundamentalism in the parable of the talents by dramatizing the rise of a neo-fascist Christian movement that attacks Lauren's community. But she never demonized faith, and that's important. Instead, her empathetic brand of secularism calls for tolerance, long-term collaboration, and the embrace of multiculturalism. Her eyes may not have been watching God, but they were definitely watching the stars. Octavia Butler was what we would call an Afrofuturist, a womanist, a black queer science fiction writer who died in 2006 at the age of 58 after she had a fall due to a stroke. She started writing at 10 and by her death had won multiple Hugo and Nebula awards, the first science fiction writer awarded a MacArthur Foundation Genius Fellowship. Her early books explored what does it mean to be a human. They looked at power and oppression, human aggression, exactly what it might take to turn our angry human race into something else, something better. When interviews would ask her about this, Butler explained her view of humanity as inherently flawed, flawed by an innate tendency toward hierarchical thinking, which leads to intolerance and violence, and if not checked, the ultimate destruction of our species. And I thought about this in terms of things like our own Right to Read Festival that's coming up. Why are we doing so well? We're doing so well because we didn't jump up and say, we're going to lead this thing. We're in charge. We stood up calmly and said, walk with us. How can we walk together? How many want to join? What do you think? How shall we do this all together? I think Butler would have proved heartily. John Pfeiffer notes, in one sense, Butler's fables are trials of solutions to the self-destructive condition 
in which she finds mankind. Yes, she was finding all the problems of the world. She sees us with our zipper down and our hem showing, the runs in our stockings and our hairs all messed up. She saw it all. But she didn't just see that. She was trying out solutions. She was finding the hope and promise of human agency and human ingenuity, even in the face of destruction. Butler's book started to get popular again in 2016, especially the parable of the sower and the parable of the talents. Monica Coleman, who's a professor of Africana Studies at the University of Delaware and a minister in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, said it feels like actual prophecy. It feels like she really predicted this, and I think people are reading it now because she was writing about what happens if we don't change. And Monica wrote that in 2016. Butler was writing about what happens if we don't change, but she was also writing about something else. Longtime fans and scholars hope the novel's new readers will also resonate with the protagonist religion. It's a religion she created, Earthseed. The premise of the faith presented in short lyrical verses throughout the book is that God is change, and humans shape God through forethought and work. Ultimately, the heroine says, Earthseed's destiny is to take root among the stars. The first time I read these books, when I realized where she was going with this, this idea that there was not some kind of God up there telling us what to do, but there was some kind of us down here telling God what to be. It was an amazing idea. According to columnist Catherine Post, the parable of the sower didn't strike a chord with our current converging crises because of its insider religious references, scholars say, or even for its prophetic portrait of our times. Like earth seed in any religion at its best, it lends hope at a time that has been demoralizing for many. And hope shouldn't be a passive stance, but definitely more active, said Reverend Jenea Renee Moore a Methodist deacon and a doctoral candidate in African-American and religious studies at Yale. Maybe Butler's language about shaping change and God points to the idea that we are agents of our own hope. What would Butler have made of the present political moment in the U.S.? I don't think she would have been surprised, scholar Tanisha Stanley says. She puts Butler's ability to envision our future down to a deep understanding of human nature. For Stanley, one lesson to take from Butler's work is hope. World building is huge in her canon, and so there is always hope that since we built this world, we can build another one. Butler saw possibilities, not stories set in stone. Again, what a you-you idea. Read her books, ask the what-if questions, and consider her words. Consider, she writes, we are born not with purpose, but with potential. She goes on to say, we can go on building and destroying until we either destroy ourselves or destroy the ability of our world to sustain us. 
Or we can make something more of ourselves. We can grow up. We can leave the nest. We can fulfill the destiny. Make homes for ourselves among the stars. And become some combination of what we want to become. And whatever our new environments challenge us to become. Our new worlds will remake us as we remake them. And some of the new people who emerge from all this will develop new ways to cope. Because they'll have to. That will break the old cycle, even if it's only to begin a new one, a different one. It's about learning to live in partnership with one another in small communities, and at the same time working out a sustainable partnership with our environment. It's about treating education and adaptability as the absolute essentials that they are. It's about a lot more than that, but those are the bones, she writes. Octavia Butler focused her lens and gave us those bones and these stories. And that tall, lanky child who began writing as a means of escape ended up crafting potent calls to socio-political action that are even more pertinent now than ever in our survival as a species. And I can say this, the prophet has spoken And the word she said was hope. Amen.